Carlos Santana, how did you start your group and uh, how did you come to music? Just by watching what it does to people, what it does to uh, a whole environment. As soon as as soon as music gets in the air, the first time I saw it, you see the people changing, uh, the moods, the, the the way they talk, the whole environment. It comes more naturally. People are more more themselves than, than what they are programmed to be. And do you feel you are leading a rock group? No. Here it is, the Baco Tunes podcast with Matt Munoz. Audio brought to you by Chain Cone Clark. Greetings, Baco Tunes listeners. It's your host, Matt Munoz. This episode of the Baco Tunes podcast features a classic interview with rock and roll legend Carlos Santana, recorded on August 11, 2011, just before his concert in Bakersfield, California, on September 27, 2011, which also happens to be today in 2023. If you're scratching your head right now, allow me to explain, okay? If you've heard this interview before, you probably heard a very low-quality recording with lots of noise and hiss. And that was the original audio taken from my old Sony handheld recorder plugged into a landline on my old desk during my years as an entertainment reporter at the Bakersfield Californian. But thanks to my old friend, engineer, and fellow musician Brian Wallace in Los Angeles, the original audio has been cleaned up for a better listening experience. Just like you did with my other classic interview with Merle Haggard that you can listen to on Tunes. Both interviews are in my top two most listened to episodes. As you will hear, Carlos was cool, polite, and exactly who you'd expect him to be. I have too many favorite Santana music moments, and I lost count how many times I've seen the band's live performance of Soul Sacrifice at Woodstock. It's magical, mystical, loose, young, wild, and free, and it's amazing. Now, at the time of this interview, Carlos was just cruising, enjoying the latest phase of his career, which was mostly touring. Fast forward to 2023, right now, as you are hearing this re-release, the new Carlos, the Santana Journey documentary film will also be released in theaters, so make sure you catch it, because I definitely will. All right, let's get to it. Here's my classic interview with Carlos Santana here on the Baco Tunes podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Good to get yourself. Oh, very, very good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was trying to piece together an original line of questions because I'm sure you know you've probably been asked every question. So uh, I'm going to just kind of bounce around a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, your last Bakersfield show was at the the opening of the Kern County Fair. I, I have to give props to your website team because they do have just, I believe, every show you've ever done listed on your website. That's 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 pretty impressive. Very comprehensive. And I found on there that the last time you were in Bakersfield was on September 20th, 1988. Um, what's taking you so long to come back? Because it's always seemed that you've had close ties to the Central Valley. Um, you were at Dolores Huerta, United Farm Workers, but um, was it any personal choice or is it just, that's just the business? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't look at what I do as any kind of, uh, I avoid, and I don't mean, Consciously or unconsciously, I, I just don't even think like that. I don't think of anything as business or this or that. I mean, to me, I just, um, I follow the green light, you know, and the green light's been taking me to Jerusalem and to Russia and other, other different places because my family has really grown. You know, uh, the family that I am, uh, I, I started 
doing a lot of fresno in the beginning before we had before we even recorded an album and the only uh word of mouth that we had was playing in fresno and santa barbara and bakersfield like that you know but once we grew up uh it, it, it after woodstock it just kept growing and growing and so I just kind of follow the green light. Um, right now, the green light takes us to Bakersfield, and uh, you know, and I, I feel really happy because when people see who we are and how we do and why we do, it's so different than you know, with all respect to other bands, because other bands they don't have as powerful uh, passion for for compassion or passion for just, uh, excuse the expression, whooping some serious ass. Because <laughs> a lot of bands don't play, a lot of bands my age, and even bands half my age, they don't play with that kind of, uh, for three hours, with that kind of intensity. Yeah. You know, they, they do the rope-a-dope a lot, and they kind of close a lot, they put it on cruise control. And we, we, like, we like it to be on all cylinders hot. Not, not frantic or desperate, but we want to assault your senses, man. So, so for because for us the goal is to make people get out their seats, uh, dance, cry, and laugh at the same time. Like you just received the Holy Ghost, or or you're a grandparent and you just had your first baby from your child come out, and and you're celebrating something that is beyond the illusion of fear or. Uh, the illusion of uh, disappointments or all that kind of stuff. And so that's the kind of music that we play. We use, utilize the songs as vehicles to really inject into people something that makes people significant, meaningful, and have a, a serious, supreme sense, sense of self-worth, not arrogance. And so that's why, you know, we are where we are. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Now, um, you know, in the past, you've always seemed a little reserved in public. I think that's more of a media thing. Uh, until you hit the stage, of course, and you light up. Um, like you said, you know, assaulting the senses. You know, I was surfing around your Facebook, and, um, you know, I see a lot of lighthearted photos of you and your bandmates, um, you and your wife, Cindy. And are you, you say, would you say that you're happier now than you were, say, you know, 10 years ago during the whole, you know, big supernatural era? Yes, I'm happy as... It's happy, happier, happiest. I'm happiest now because um, uh, this is a word that I think it starts messing with people, you know. But I've been saying this word since 66, 67. Rearrange molecular structure on a molecular level or crystallize your intentions, motives, and purpose. You say crystallize. In other words, prioritize what's really important for you. I discarded a lot of fear. Um, uh, I'm more invested every day in being grateful. Uh, because I have realized that all of us are students and teachers to one another. And so when I go on stage, I have way more energy than I ever had before because I realize that um, it's, not, um, it's not an uphill battle uh, anymore in my life. You know, uh, uh, I found this person who... Uh, we both love the same thing. We love Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Bob Marley and Marvin Gaye. We, and, and we're both uh, and serious musicians, uh, serious, seriously with fun music. music. But uh, the reason I'm really happy is because I have accepted uh, a whole different perception about my life than what I used to be. I used to feel like I had to fight 
really hard uh, being a Mexican or this or that, you know. So I I, I, I grew up with a bunch of um, distorted way of looking at myself that I had to fight all the time with, like with the Black Panthers, like the Black Panthers or Cesar Chavez and Dolores. But you really don't have to fight anything. All you have to do is accept that if you trust, hope, faith, and trust, that's the fuel, hope, faith, and trust, that, that you open your arms, you open your heart, and the universe is ready to give you way beyond what you think that you can get. Uh, so my conception changed because I'm not a Catholic anymore. Catholic is guilt, shame, judgment, commitment, fear. That's mental slavery. I love Jesus, and I will always be with Jesus, but I'm not a Catholic. I am... Uh, if somebody wants to describe me, well, what are you? I would say, I'd rather be like water. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Let me, you know, I want to get. I wanted to get it uh, real quick in the supernatural era because that was so huge, and that's when there was a whole other generation that that discovered Santana or you know uh, rediscovered. You know that that era of your career was such a phenomenon. It was just so bigger. Did you ever anticipate it to get that huge? No, you know, Clive Davis uh, was the first one that told me. You know, I've seen you live, and um, you have something that is really incredible, uh, and I ha we haven't worked together in a long time. My thing, um, it's the same thing that Cesar Chavez used to say. Solo se necesitan ganas. You only need willingness. Willingness, willingness, willingness. With willingness, you can create the miracle. Do you have the willingness to go into a different arena and invite and allow Rob Thomas, Lauren Hill, and everyone to write a song with you and for you? And I said, yeah. I said, okay. Because he says, he says, what you do live, you're incredible in the ring. But there's another ring. It's called the radio. And that ring, you, you, you haven't been there since 73 or 72. And it has changed. So I wonder if you have the willingness, the capacity to have willingness to open yourself up to this new young writers and producers to come and share with you. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I have the willingness, you know? <laughs> and then it just it just happened. Uh, 25 or 27 times platinum, whatever it is. Yeah, that, that's it's amazing. I was looking at some of the numbers now, you know, but, and it's been uh, it's been over 12 years, and it's just it's absolutely amazing. Um, now the follow-up records were kind of kind of in a similar vein, uh, you know. And do, do you, were you concerned that a lot of the long time the old school Santana fans were going to get a little bit tired of that, you know, and saying, "Hey, man, I want you to bring back some of the jazzier conceptual days and stuff like you know, Caravan Ride, Bobaletta, stuff like that." Um, are you planning on doing stuff like that again, or are you just kind of... Yes, uh, I see these coming out, kind of like Airbats to Rise, mainly instrumental, no singers, uh, it's just mainly songs that I've written. Um, you know, it, from 73 to 99, I did all of that. <laughs> so, so you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not a water boy for people to tell me what to do and how, what they want me. You know, I I have to follow my own voice. You know, and if you can relate to it, like a lot of people couldn't relate to Caravan Sarai after Abraxas. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with Carlos? We want evil ways. And like, dude, man, you know, I'm I'm gonna follow my heart, and if you, I hope you can follow the right because I I, I can't just wake up and. You know, I'm not a jukebox that you put a quarter and I'm going to play only that. 
you know, I, I love those songs, but I have to grow. And sometimes to grow, oh, here it is. I've been, I've been accused of committing career suicide at least seven times. Because of the people that I choose to play with, whether it's called uh, Wayne Shorter or Miles or Alice Coltrane or John McLaughlin, but I need to grow, man. I'm not, I'm not like a little Mexican that's only going to play piñata music. You know, that's not going to happen. I was never that. You know, I love piñata music and I love being a Mexican, but you can't reduce me to that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for that. Now, your, your wife, Cindy Blackman, is starring her own right through her work with Lenny Kravitz, incredible drummer, and you know, she's played with so many so many legends herself. Now, I'm sure you, you also get asked this question a lot, but will she be joining the band anytime soon? Might that happen, or is maybe as a guest? She'll always be a guest, uh, because the musician that we have, the drummer that we have, is, he has a permanent seat, and that's uh, Mr. Dennis Chambers, who's one of the best in the world. Cindy uh, Compton said, she sits in uh, Corazón Espinado in a couple other songs. She takes an incredible solo. And we're working on developing her own band. She worked before with Lenny and, and with and for Lenny or a lot of people. But I'm encouraging her to uh, crystallize, here's the word again, crystallize her own vision, her own band, her own songs, and, and what she wants to do. She's a hardcore Tony Williams fan and jazz, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and and well because Tony Williams and Cindy and they're at the level of Bruce Lee. <laughs> you know? I'm I'm serious. When you see her play, not not with, with Lenny Kravitz, she was just mainly holding time, and it's like a waiter just holding an apron for you to wipe yourself, you know. But when you let her go, you say, "Oh, damn!" You know, she can really, really, damn. It's like Evil Knievel and Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, she's 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 phenomenal, and uh, yeah, I was because I I I looked on her website and some of the stuff that she posts on Facebook. You guys are two very spiritual people, and it's, it's, there's a beauty that kind of like resonates from both of you guys being together. So I think I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Thank you, man. Thank you for saying that. And no, yeah, no problem, brother. Now, uh, I, a lot of guitar players wanted to make sure I asked you about this. Now, you you know you're an icon. You're You've been elevated by so many guitarists, and you are one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Now, are there any, in your eyes, any new kind of innovative guitar players out there? Because you've seen them all, and you're part of, you know, you're with Hendrix and all those cats. Are there any new innovative guitarists that you see out there? Or is just like, is everybody just kind of emulating what you guys have already laid out for everybody? Um, the only ones that I really, really feel a connection to... Um, to root for and with is Derek Trucks, Robert Randolph, and Ben Harper. Now, there's other ones, but those are the ones that I feel they have the capacity to um, to take the music further. The rest of them, most of them, they're, they're, they practice on the mirror how they look instead, instead of like uh, trailblazing, you know. Uh, once you have to practice the guitar on the mirror to how you look, you're not a guitar player. You're... you're um, Shucking and jiving entertainer. Now, Michael Jackson is a supreme musician and entertainer, and he was not shocking and jiving. But it's different for guitar. Because for guitar, you got to go to Stevie Ray and Buddy Guy and Jimi Hendrix and the rest of the, rest of the musicians to find your own fingerprints. Uh, so um, I would just say don't be lazy, man. You know, take your fingers for a long walk. Uh, I never call it practicing. I take my fingers for a walk with Stevie Ray, Marvin Gaye, Bob Marley, Coltrane, Miles, all that. 
I take my fingers for a walk with those guys. Yeah. And when I'm done, I can articulate their vocabulary to a certain extent. So thank you so much. I think they're giving me a signal that I, I, okay. I, I, oh, one last question. So uh, okay. what, what, what's next? What's next for, for Carlos Santana? I mean, that's got to be a really broad question, but I mean, it seems like you've just done about everything. What's next, brother? <laughs> oh, the best is yet to come. You know, uh, there's possibly doing an album uh, with possibly John McLaughlin and Jeff Beck called it Filthy Magnesty Swamp African Music, All African Music. Uh, there's an album that I want to do just with my band, um, uh, kind of jungle, electric jungle music. Uh, there's a thing that I want to do with Cindy. I think I want to do with my son. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to travel as much 2012. I'm going to be in the studio, maybe recording six to seven albums and just, just go in the studio and, and just record a lot. Yeah. Beautiful. Possibly, which possibly with, uh, Willie Nelson. Oh, wow. Willie Nelson, uh, Bob Marley songs like uh, "Baby, Baby, We Got a Date," you know, with a harmonica and a slide guitar, and you know, I I can play Norteño music, but I would have to put the sky in it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yes, the sky. I saw that you were on on the website that you had the Bob Marley Studio one year's what you were list, currently listening to, and uh, and I know that you're, you. Uh, you have the Bob Marley, like you and Bob Marley are kind of synonymous with with each other in a lot of RSIs and uh, music, the impact that you've had on the music world uh, in the history. But uh, did you ever meet Bob? I, I don't, I don't no, the, the, the time that I was going to meet him, he was already getting down with cancer, and he, he didn't make The whole band showed up, but he he couldn't come, and he had put the band up, and he apologized to someone because he was, by that time, he was very ill. This was in 1980. But thank you so much. i okay. got to go. Right on, brother. Thank you so much, Carlos. We'll see you in Bakersfield. I hope you enjoyed my interview with the great Carlos Santana. It's one of those moments I will definitely cherish forever. Now go revisit all the classic Santana albums and get lost in the groove, man. Start with Abraxas and let the spirit guide you. All right. Thank you, Carlos Santana. And thank you all for listening to the Baco Tunes podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Santana! The Baco Tunes Podcast with Matt Munoz. New episodes every week. And for the latest, be sure to follow us at Baco Tunes on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-A-K-O-T-U-N-E-S. And be sure to like us, rate us, comment at us, and don't forget to subscribe. We'll be back next time.